Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Money Bear Podcast. I am your host, better known as Clover, our money coach on the internet. I am like thrown off today, my friends, because I am like trying to mess around with my camera. My camera is, I don't know if it's just because it's sunny for once here in central Illinois, but the colors look weird and like I just look like darkness. <laughs> like I'm wearing a black hoodie, my hair looks completely black. And we're just, you know what? We're going to roll with it. Okay. I could put my hair in a braid and then I'll look a little bit like Wednesday Adams. And I'm actually okay with that vibe. So, <laughs> oh goodness. Anyway. Hi again. I'm Chloe Bear, better known as Chloe Daniels. Actually reverse that. I am better known as Chloe Bear Money Coach and my name is Chloe Daniels. So <laughs> we're going to get there. I promise. This is our quick tip episode where I give you guys a quick update on my life. And then we get a quick tip going for you. So you can start implementing in your day-to-day life. So our quick tip today is going to be talking about habit stacking and how you can use that in your finances to make things a little bit easier on you. But first, let's give the life update. So I don't think I've announced this on the podcast yet, but I got a pre-qualification for a half a million dollar mortgage. And I have decided, like I'm 99% sure now, that I am actually going to move to Tucson. The closer I get to leaving for San Diego, the more I'm like, I really want to own a home. I really want to have a space that I can call my own for the next five years where I can do what I want with it, where I can have two or three or even four bedrooms, an office, a guest bedroom, and then I don't know, maybe like an art studio. (laughs) That's what I'll be using them for. And I just like, I want to be able to get another cat. So the more and more I've been thinking about that, the more and more Tucson just makes sense. And even though I love San Diego and I'm really excited to spend the next three months there once I get there in May, I'm just at this point where I want to settle down a little bit. I want to be able to like make a space for myself and like have my own life in one area for a five year period of time. Because even when I was living in Chicago, I think I changed like apartments every year if not more. There were times where I was in an apartment for like six months. And then there were times when I was in an apartment for a year, year and a half. And I'm just at this point where I don't want to do that anymore. So that's where I am at mentally, physically, emotionally. I'm trying to remember if like my Oak Park apartment, I think on my Oak Park apartment, I was there for two years. So I was there for 2020, from March 2020 to March 2021. And then I was there from March 2021 till March 2022. So yeah, I was there for two years. But I'm just at this point where I don't want to, that's the longest I've been in a place. Like in last year, I spent a bunch of time moving around. So I think that was all to lead me to the point where I'm finally ready to buy property. What a long road we took to get here. Now, the mortgage approval process, and it's not even a pre-approval, it's like a pre-qualification just so I can make sure that I am on the right path for what I think my budget can be for a home. It's a little bit different when you are self-employed in terms of what you can get approved for. So what the mortgage lender approved me for was essentially about 45% of my take-home pay averaged out between the last two years of my self 
self-employed income. So they looked at my self-employed income in 2021, which was around, I think, $75,000. And then in 2022, they looked at my self-employed income, which was, so they don't look at what your business made. My business made multiple six figures, but my take-home pay was, I think, less than $150,000 because I, you know, obviously didn't pay myself all of that money that I made in the business. And so they take the average between that $75,000 in 2021 and the $150,000 that I paid myself last year. And they look at that and what my take-home pay is. And they say, you can afford up to this amount per month which is 45% of your take-home pay. So after that process, originally I was scared because as an S-corp, I pay myself in two different ways. I pay myself a salary, but the salary is very low. I pay myself like 30 grand. And then I can also pay myself with shareholder distributions, which is essentially me taking money out of the business as a shareholder distribution. So that can be at any time. And usually it's like a monthly withdrawal. It's like an extra paycheck a month for me. But um, I thought they were just going to base it off of the salary that I pay myself. And I was worried because I was like, well, how am I ever going to be able to afford a home if I'm only paying myself, like air quotes, paying myself 30 grand a year? Like I'm not going to be able to afford the home that I want to purchase. And luckily, they also included shareholder distributions And so right now it looks like my budget for a home will be all the way up to half a million dollars. I do not plan on spending half a million dollars, but I do think it's kind of cool that as a single woman, single in the government sense, because obviously we all know about Tarek. I think it's pretty cool that as a single woman looking to purchase a house by herself, I could afford up to half a million. Now, I do think that half a million is too much. I think 45% of your gross income is too much. I think we really want to stay around 30% or lower unless I was like willing to cut out, gosh, unless I was willing to cut out travel, which I'm not, or Botox or any of those things, which I'm not willing to give up. So I'll be looking to spend closer to 20 to 30% on my like all in housing costs. But it's nice to know I have the option of going all the way to half a million if I really wanted to. So yeah, that is kind of the life update. I'm moving to Tucson. I'll likely be in Tucson in August. Now you guys know I've changed my mind approximately 1 million times. But I think between now and August, likely this is what's going to be the plan. So yeah. I still stand by everything that I said about homeownership. It is expensive. It is scary. It is not the only way to build wealth. And I'm going to do it anyway. And I'm excited. And I know I am not house hacking. So many people have asked me if I plan on house hacking. I'm at a point in my life right now where I'm looking for peace. I'm looking for simplicity. House hacking and becoming a landlord does not fall into that for me. I don't want to renovate a place. I don't want to make it livable. I don't want to like do things that I would have to do in order to be happy with the space, especially when looking in Tucson, when I was looking at a house hack, even just because so many people asked me about it, I decided, well, let me go look at a house hack. Like, is that something that's even doable in Tucson? I put the price range at any price and there were like maybe five house hacks available. And for those who are listening that don't know what a house hack is, a house hack just means that you're going to buy a piece of property. It's going to be a multifamily. Maybe it's a duplex, triplex, whatever plex. 
and you live in one of the units and then you rent out the other units. And the reason it's called a house hack is because the goal is to live for free because everybody else is paying for your rent or your mortgage because you're charging them rent, fair market value rent for the rent that they are using. And it's controversial. Like, especially if you go look on TikTok, a lot of people think that house hacking is exploitative. A lot of people think that like, this isn't something you want to brag about trying to live for free while, you know, everybody else is paying market rates. There are like, I think it was like over 40 million people own house hacks. And it's like, an issue in terms of affordable housing. So I definitely understand the criticisms against house hacking. For me, the reason I don't want to do house hacking is just because I'm tired. (laughs) I don't want any more responsibilities. I'm not interested in sharing walls with people right now. I, I don't want to do it. If anything, if I end up getting into the real estate game from a investing standpoint, I don't see myself getting into it from the standpoint of house hacking. So that is my answer on that for everyone. (laughs) So yeah, anyway, like I said, it's a controversial topic. I will say house hacking on the plus side has been known to be a more accessible way to build wealth for people who are interested in getting into real estate, but don't have access to a lot of capital. But on the flip side, I understand the criticism that it can be seen as exploitive. So I don't have the answer. I think we have a lot of issues in this country. And I think the housing crisis is just one of the many issues that we have. I do think the large companies like BlackRock buying up massive like billions of dollars worth of real estate in the country is likely a larger problem than house hacking. But I don't have enough data to support that claim because house hacking is still a significant amount of the rental real estate market. So I don't know. I don't know, guys, I, you know, even though I would like to have the answer to the world's most burning questions, I unfortunately do not matter, even if I tell myself that I do. (laughs) So with all of that, let's talk about today's topic, which is habit stacking your finances. So shout out to my girl, Alyssa. Alyssa is our new content assistant, and she's helping me with just managing our content schedule. We have so many different pieces of content from the blog to YouTube to the podcast to obviously Instagram captions, Twitter, TikTok. Like there's so many things that I just needed some help in organizing it and identifying areas where I am not talking about enough. And so she is the queen of content for Clobear now and obviously with my oversight. But she's been bringing some new ideas to the table. And one of her ideas was talking about habit stacking your finances. And I was like, that's such a great idea because I do talk to like my one-on-one clients or my group coaching clients about habit stacking, but I never call it that. So let's first identify what is habit stacking. Habit stacking is essentially looking at the habits you already have in place and adding a new habit to the existing habit with the idea that it makes it easier for you to stick to that new habit. We all know that sticking to new habits can be really difficult. So it's really about focusing on how do we make this habit a lot easier to stick to by connecting it to something we already do. So in the finance world, let's say For example, you're like, okay, every time I brush my teeth, I also check my credit score. Or, I mean, you wouldn't need to check your credit score that often. Let me make that clear. Or every time I brush my teeth, I update my budget. 
Or every time I go to the bathroom, I look at my transactions to make sure there's no fraudulent charges. Or every time, this is actually a habit stack that I do as a content creator, is every time Logan gets her like preventative medication, I apply for verification. (laughs) Because it's like, it's so much easier for me to remember it that way than if I'm just like, oh yeah, on the 15th of every month, I you know, apply for verification. It's like, well, no, every time I give Logan her preventative pills, I also apply for verification. (laughs) So it's thinking about those things. What are things that you already have in place that you're already doing? And, you know, not every habit needs to be a weekly thing. Not every money habit needs to be weekly, daily, or even monthly thing. So it's thinking about what are the things that I need to do And how can I incorporate them into my life in a way that makes sense that I won't forget about? So my favorite is one that I've already mentioned, which is like if you are doing a manual zero-based budget where you're tracking your dollars, using the power of brushing your teeth every night to also look at your transactions and make sure your budget is up to date is an easy win. Your budget, if you look at it every day, if you look at your spending every day, it's only going to take 10 minutes out of your day every day to make sure that you're staying on budget and make sure that you're managing your money. But if you wait a week, you wait two weeks, or you only do it once a month, like what I've been doing lately, it's going to take more time. So now what I do is I do a budget reconciliation. This is a sidebar. And a budget reconciliation is like, I give myself an idea of where I want my money to go in the next month. But the end of the month, I go and I look at, okay, did we stick to that? Were we within those ranges? So I'm no longer at the point where I track every single dollar religiously every day just because I don't really need to anymore. But I will tell you, those budget reconciliation meetings I have with myself often suck. They take like two hours instead of like 10 minutes a day. And I get it. 10 minutes a day over 30 days is 300 minutes. So even if my budget reconciliations take two hours, I'm still saving time. But it just seems so much more burdensome because I'm like, ugh, I got to go look at all my transactions. I got to go double check everything. I got to create the new spreadsheet, all that stuff. And I don't stick to it as well, if I'm being totally honest. So I probably should move back into some kind of daily habit. But I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. (laughs) As long as I'm investing what I need to, as long as I got a plan for my money, I should be fine. But when you're starting out, having more of a daily habit is a lot more important. Because again, we've said this on the podcast before, you got to switch from this mindset of money's out of my control to money is a tool and I can master this tool. And how do we do that? Constant exposure, using it as a tool, not getting overwhelmed by it. All of those things make it a lot easier to manage our money and to see it as a tool. So that's one of the ways that I see habit stacking working like the most optimal way. Another way is like whenever you pay off your credit card, making sure you also check your credit score. Or every time you give your dog their monthly preventatives, you make sure your automations are all set up correctly, or you check your student loan balance or whatever those things are. Again, a lot of stuff with finances does not actually need that much time. So I do struggle to think of what are other habits that you need to do on a daily basis, but it could even be things that are related to your paycheck. So how you get your paycheck, well, what is your first thing that you do when you get your paycheck? Maybe it's pay off a bill, maybe it's pay off a credit card, maybe it's save it, put it into some kind of savings. So kind of think, what are the things that you're already doing with your paycheck on payday? And then how can you stack a financial goal onto it? Maybe it's being like, okay, whenever it's payday, I automatically move this amount into my savings. I automatically move this amount into my investing. I automatically, you know, split it up between three different accounts, whatever it is. 
you want to add it on to something that you're already doing. Another one that I like is it's easy because it's like passive. But like when I get ready in the morning, I listen to a money podcast, maybe the money bear. I don't know. Maybe the money bear. (laughs) Or every time I get into the car, I listen to one podcast before I listen to music or, you know, whatever those things are for you to start adding more financial literacy and financial well-being into your everyday. When we do it with things that already exist, it just becomes a whole lot easier. So it was a quick tip. We don't got to dive too deep into it because I think it pretty much explains itself. But you guys let me know if I missed any. What is something that you do to habit stack your finances? Let us know at Clover Money Coach on Instagram or let us know at The Money Bear on Instagram as well. And I think that's all I got for you guys today. So I will talk to you all next week. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Money Bear Podcast. If you've made it this far, do us a favor, take two seconds, rate, review, and subscribe. It seriously means the world to me. And if you just take a sec to do that, I will appreciate you endlessly. And if you do, let me know on Instagram and I'll thank you personally. So got that. And of course, since we were talking about anything financial on this show, please note that nothing on this show is intended as financial advice. I don't know you, unfortunately. And because of that, I cannot tell you what to do with your money. You've got to work with a financial professional who knows your situation, who is preferably a fiduciary. And keep in mind that everything that we talk about on this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It's all my opinion. So there's that. If you want to see our full terms and conditions, head on over to the show notes. And while you're there, we've got free resources for you to get started on your money journey down in the show notes as well, including a free guide to help you with your budgeting templates and budgeting tutorials and investing 101, understanding the different accounts that are out there. All that good stuff is inside of my free guide, which is also available at thelazyinvestorscourse.com slash guide. And if you're ready to take our relationship to the next level, I am also hosting a monthly investing class. And that investing class, you can find the times we're offering it this month at thelazyinvestorscourse.com slash webinar. That link is in the show notes as well. And that's where you have the chance to meet me live and ask those money questions live. It's a good time. We've had over 20,000 people as of recording this join or register. And yeah, it's always nice to meet you guys. So I hope to see you there again. All that is available down in the show notes. So thank you again for coming and listening. I appreciate you and I'll see you next week.